Thank you for listening to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. This is the conversation about faith, hope, and the impact we're designed to make as Christians on the world around us. Your host, Helen Todd, the Vice President of World Missions Alliance, has spent over two decades traveling to the world's hotspots to meet the spiritual and physical needs of those who are desperate. She interviews guests from different walks of life whose stories, books, and ideas examine today's most pressing issues and challenges of being a Christian today and inspire you to action. I had this vision of where my life was heading. I believe the Holy Spirit gave it to me and it was out of His compassion for me. The imagery was powerful, but the feeling that I felt was even more powerful. I felt utter hopelessness. It was the absence of the presence of God. And I just woke up in tears. I was shaking. I was sweating. Um, And I knew that I had visited this place. And maybe it was just a hell in my mind, but it was just absence from God. That's the tragic experience of those who are in hell. The vision of hell that David Domina experienced one night was different from the way hell is portrayed in the scripture, but terrifying nonetheless. He had grown up as a pastor's kid, but the rebellious and adventurous spirit led him away from Jesus as a young man. I'm Helen Todd, and Pastor David Domina is today's guest on this episode of Limitless Spirit. I'm so glad you're joining me to hear his story. In this series, I interview people from different walks of life on how they pursue their greater purpose. David Domina never imagined he would be a pastor. He was absolutely terrified of public speaking. In college, he pursued psychology, journalism, and later built a successful construction business. And though it didn't seem like it at the time, through all these experiences, God was preparing him for his true calling. In this interview, he talks about his search for identity and the revelation of what hell feels like, and also his thoughts on how God gives us choices to make in pursuit of the greater purpose. Let's listen now. Good morning, Pastor David. Thank you for being on the Limitless Spirit podcast this morning. Well, good morning, Helen. It's just a pleasure to be with you today. Well, I have known you and Charlotte for several years, but today we're going to talk about some personal things, and I'm excited, in a sense, to get to know you better this morning. I'm also looking forward to you speaking at the Greater Purpose Conference, and I hope that today's interview will give our listeners a better idea of who you are and where your heart is. So let's jump into your story. You are a PK, so to speak, a pastor's son, a preacher's kid. Did you have that PK syndrome growing up? (laughs) I don't, I I didn't think I did at the time. Um, But I suppose like any teenager, we have our challenges, right? And depending on what career path our parents take or where we live, our environment or the culture we grow up in, it affects us. So I didn't think that I grew up with any sort of stigma or pressure. But as I look back now in retrospect, I can see how it formed some of my opinions about the world and, and just how I dealt with, with, with relationships. And, and I think there probably was some pressure. It's funny you mentioned PK kid. I used to call it problem kid, <laughs> <laughs> not pastor's kid. But I was your typical teenager who realized, you know, you're not, you don't, 
you're not born into the faith. Faith is something that you have to decide. It's an intellectual decision, but also a spiritual decision, but you're not, you're not born a Christian. So like anyone, I had to find Christ on my own. It wasn't good enough that uh, I grew up in a Christian home or my, my dad was a pastor or I grew up in the church. I had to discover Christ on my own. And there were challenges there. So did you ever struggle with God's authority in your life or just just the existence of God? They were identity issues that everyone goes through, whether they're a person of the faith or any any faith. As we grow and as we mature, we have to discover who we are, you know, what what our purpose is, what what's our bent, what are our our, our giftings leaning towards, you know, we develop, we develop this worldview. I, I think I've always had a Christian worldview. I've always believed in a transcendent God. I had to discover who that God was for me. And when I was young, it's not that I didn't believe in the God that my parents believed in, but I, I didn't feel like I had a personal relationship with God through my teenage years. I felt it was all about rules and legalism. And there was something in me that resisted that. We can call it a rebellious rebellious nature, but I think I identify it more now as just being incredibly inquisitive and adventurous. And I, I just, I wanted to know the world and understand the world. And that led me down some dark roads, experimenting with drugs and researching other other religions and and ultimately I found hopelessness and emptiness there uh, and you know I, I talk about identity discovering who I am I didn't I didn't discover who I really was and my purpose in life until I until I found Christ until I made a personal decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life but it was a tumultuous teenage years I was I was that typical middle child, trying to figure out figure out life and to, to discover this personal god on my on my own and uh I have a lot of regrets I learned from them but uh just broken relationships and inappropriate relationships and but but ultimately it it led me to Christ because that life which is really just pursuing pursuing the flesh pleasure being accepted by the world you end up feeling just very empty and alone. I went back to uh, just really digging into scripture. Ultimately, I had this dream, which it really wasn't a dream. It was a vision of where my life was heading. I believe the Holy Spirit gave it to me and it was out of his compassion for me. But I got a picture of where I was going and where I was heading because it, at that point, I had not made a decision to follow Christ. And so where was your life heading at that point in your vision? Well, I'll share a little bit, just a little bit of the vision. It would take, it would take a lot longer than a half an hour podcast to, to share a lot of the details. But my junior year in high school, I don't have many fond memories. Um, it was, uh, they were tough years for me. I was incredibly insecure. Um, I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to offer anybody. Didn't feel very gifted, very talented, very bright very athletic. So I was kind of pushed towards that fringe crowd that wasn't accepted, but who were pretty wild. And obviously I wasn't following the Lord. I probably didn't see myself as a very, very good person. So, I mean, I was headed to hell because I had not made Jesus my Lord 
at, at that point. So in the vision, I'm walking down this hallway, which reminded me of a high school hallway, which reminded me of our, our junior high school. And that provoked some really terrible feelings because I didn't have fond memories. And I'm walking down this hallway and there's stalactite hanging on the ceiling like I was in a cave. And it opened up in, into this, uh, this very large room, which I can only describe as like a, a dingy, dark cocktail lounge. There were all these small cocktail tables with one person at each table. There was no one else at the table but one person. And I remember their heads were pointed towards the table. I never actually saw faces. And the imagery was powerful, but the feeling that I felt was even more powerful. And I identified what it, what it was that I was feeling. I felt utter hopelessness that these individuals in this scene were lost and I was there. It was the absence of the presence of God. I identified that really as hell. Um, there wasn't gnashing of teeth. There wasn't flames. But it was just utter disconnection from a transcendent God, my, my creator. And I opened my eyes from this vision. It was at night, but I wasn't sleeping. That's why I know it wasn't a dream. And I woke up feeling this thing was so real. It was a, a vision that the Lord had given me. I'm out of his compassion because he knew where I was heading. And I, I just woke up in tears. I was shaking. I was sweating. Um, and I knew that I had visited this place. And maybe it was just a hell in my mind, but it was just absence from God. That's the tragic experience of those who are who are in hell. It's it's just a total disconnection and absence from goodness, the goodness of God. And that plunged me towards the direction of pursuing a relationship with Christ. I repented. I knew what I needed to do because I grew up in a Christian home. I repented of my ways, my sin, my thoughts. And, and it really uh, propelled me towards this transformation that took place. I, I, I instantly gave up much of w what I was pursuing. The the drugs that that for that was easy for me for some reason. Maybe it was the grace of God, but I didn't seem to be easily addicted to chemicals or drugs. And then obviously there were other things that the Lord had to refine in my life and, and change. But that was that was the real deciding point. This is a very powerful testimony, and I've always felt like being involved in the Great Commissions as heavily as I am, I've always felt like it is a privilege that God extends to us because He doesn't really need our help in revealing Himself or His truth to people. And you're a great example of that. You were growing up in the middle of the church culture, and yet you were so disconnected from God. And it wasn't a person that led you back to Christ, but it was God himself giving you that revelation of your despair without him. So this only confirms that really God does not need us. <laughs> so when he calls us to partner with him in the Great Commission, it's more of a privilege of being the co-workers with him and the co-creators of faith on this earth. So from that point on, I'm sure there was a journey between that moment and you being called into ministry because for a while you still pursued other endeavors in life. So how did you end up in ministry? Well, that could be a long story too, but I'll, I'll hit the, the real salient points, uh, the highlights of the, the journey. The agreement my father had with us was if you go to Bible school for a year, I'll pay for college. And that's when college was affordable. 
it was five grand for me to go to a SUNY school in New York State University, five grand for the whole year. But that was the agreement to go to Bible college for a year. So uh, I, I agreed. So we went to Southeastern Bible College, which is now Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. So I went there for a year and I only lasted a year, not because I had it in my mind, a year to Bible college and then I can go anywhere else. That was the agreement that I had with my dad. I was majoring in psychology, taking a bunch of Bible classes. When you're discovering what Christianity is, what Christ means to you, and you grow up in the church and you you start to turn a little rebellious, you just naturally, I think, get drawn to, to seeing all the hypocrisy in the church. And I saw a lot of that at Southeastern Bible College. They were very legalistic, which I can't stand to this day, legalism. I think that pushes more people out of the church than brings them into the church. You got to help lead people into a relationship with Christ. That's what brings the transformation, not all the rules. And I don't believe the Bible is about rules. I believe it's about relationship. So I just, I only lasted there a, a year and there were a lot of other things that were happening at, at the time at, at that school that I just, uh, I won't get into. I just wasn't very impressed with. So I ended up leaving there and uh, going to a, back to New York to Brockport, which was one of the SUNY schools and pursued uh journalism. And I minored in psychology because I got pretty turned off with the founding fathers of (laughs) psychology and uh, the mental health field. They were all kind of cray cray. So I I studied journalism at Brockport and uh, I graduated from there and I got some really pathetic job offers making about minimum wage. And we got married before I graduated. And I knew that I was not going to be able to support a family on minimum wage. So I went back into construction, which I've always had done even through my high school years and uh, built a business. And it was running very well. Uh, We'll just fast forward into my mid twenties. I think I was around 23 when the business administrator to the church that my father was pastoring came to me and said, would you be interested in being the project manager to build the new sanctuary? I thought about it. Uh, I knew that we were a very small company. It was just me and one other person. And I knew that if I took on this job, it would almost, I almost have to turn all my other customers away. But I really felt like this was the direction that the Lord wanted me to to, to take. And I didn't know why, because I wasn't thinking ministry at all. It was never in my head. It was never an aspiration in my mind. But um, we started the construction project and ended up digging into three brick buildings that were on that were underneath the the ground and we had to dig all those out which costs a lot of money and then you have to bring in new dirt to fill that in and we ended up having to pause the building because we were building it cash because there were there were so many extra extra costs like $150,000 in extra costs so we put it on pause and I'm and I'm thinking what am I going to do. I'm not managing a project. I don't have any other work coming in. I had started to get involved in young adult ministry and men's ministry and just developed this real love to see people's lives transformed through the power of Christ. That's what really drew me into ministry. So I just started doing that for a year and then eventually the building project started and then it ended. And I knew that that at that point that that was not what I wanted to do. It wasn't a desire of mine to to, per, to pursue to build a construction business. 
I, I, so I went from building buildings to building people. And, um, I, I just never, never look back in the sense that, I mean, I have a construction business, but my, my kids run it, my boys run it. I'm not very involved, but seeing a person's life transformed by the power of Christ is, uh, there's just nothing greater. And that's what led me to, to be in ministry. And then eventually I, um, I stepped into the role of being the senior pastor and my dad, um, my dad kind of stepped back. He's still involved in ministry, but that's how I got to be a senior pastor at Bethel Christian Fellowship. Well, you know, I see, I see a very natural progression there. So you go, you went from studying psychology and journalism, which is, you know, studying people's minds and being communicator to building, which gives you an idea of building something and then going to building people's lives. I, I see a very solid preparation for your true calling. And so, you know, the podcast series that we're doing now is called Greater Purpose in preparation for our Greater Purpose conference. So to me, what you have just told your testimony is the process of you from uh, going from a a rebellious teenager to discovering your true greater purpose. Would you say that being a pastor, a spiritual leader is the greater purpose that you feel called to? As far as occupation, yes, I would say that. But I think there's way too much focus on occupation when we think about purpose. I think the Lord would have blessed me whatever decision that I made. I, I really believe that I, I know this could be somewhat controversial, but people think there are a lot of people that believe that God has a perfect will for your life. He's mapped it all out. That doesn't bear with, with, witness with me as I study scripture. I, I do realize that there are certain people that are called to do specific things, but I think there's choices that we can make. And God doesn't punish us if we cho choose A instead of B or B instead of C, as long as we're serving him. I did hear the Lord tell me, this is what I desire you to do. So in obedience, I did walk in that direction, and that was to become the senior pastor of Bethel. But when I took the job at Bethel, he gave me an option. He said, I'll still bless you if you pursue your being an entrepreneur and building the building business. But I, I really have, there, there's this open door for you. And if you choose this, you'll, you'll thrive, you'll be blessed, and you'll be just as satisfied. And I, I felt that that was one of the times where I felt that the Lord spoke to me more clearly than ever. And, but he gave me a choice. And, and that to me really, really reveals the sort of relationship and partnership that God wants to have with us. You know, we don't deserve any of this, but he, he loves us so much. And doesn't that, doesn't that look like a good father to you, a father that doesn't control our lives, that gives us choices and uh, as long as we're following that moral path, I think there are options there. So, Well, was it an easy choice for you or did you wrestle with that choice? I mean, you knew that God would prefer one over the other, but what did you feel? I wrestled with it because I didn't feel like I had the gifts. I was afraid of public speaking. I'm fine to be a journalism writing on pieces of paper in an office with nobody viewing me, the idea of preaching or teaching in front of a large group of people petrified me. You could call it a paranoia. I mean, I just, it's like, I didn't feel that I was a good speaker. I didn't feel like that I knew the word well enough. 
so I didn't feel like I had the gifts. I felt like the natural gifting was to build buildings. I mean, I could do that without thinking. But isn't that like God, right? It's like you have to take a step of faith, knowing that you don't have what it takes. But if he's leading you that in, the, in that direction, then you can trust God to provide you the tools to do it. Well, I think that's one of the identifiers of truly God's calling is he never calls you to do something that you're comfortable with or fully capable of. Um, so that's a pre- pretty clear indication that this is God when it totally terrifies you. Absolutely. But as I, as I began to walk in it, uh, I discovered Christ in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. He can accomplish anything. If, if we submit to his will. So I was really surprised. I don't consider myself a great preacher. I'm, I'm effective. I'm called to do what I, what I do. And I'm called to be at Bethel and, and God, God equips me, but uh, I didn't realize how effective I can be if I just submit to the Lordship of Christ and what he can do in me. It just, it kind of, it blew me away. It really blew me away. <laughs> So this is interesting. You have been pastoring a church um, in Rochester, New York for many years now, and this is not the easiest area to be a pastor. And especially in the last year, uh, Rochester has been in the news on quite a significant level. And I read somewhere that um, according to the police reports, last year was the deadliest year in Rochester in a decade. Can you share a little bit about this? and what your experience has been. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because the past the past week, there was another homicide in broad daylight. It was a carjacking by what they believed to be four younger people under the age of 20. They couldn't get into the car, so they took out a pistol and they shot this man. And uh, he ended up, ended up dying, and this happened in the middle of the day. A few days ago, there was a homeless man that was uh, lit on fire by a couple young people. I think they were 13 and 14 years old. And eventually he died in the middle of the day. So it's a strange, surreal environment that we're living in right now where it's like nobody fears the consequences anymore. And uh, it's not just in Rochester, it's everywhere. So if things don't change if people don't begin to really love one another and value human life, I'm a little concerned about what's happen- going to be happening in, in Rochester even, even this year because it might be worse than it was last year. So it's a toxic environment. People are concerned. Our mayor wants to dismantle the police, the Rochester Police Department. And I agree that there needs to be reform in a lot of a lot of these areas. And I'm sure because what doesn't need to be reformed? I mean, anything that man puts together is not perfect, sometimes absolutely corrupt. I don't believe our police department was corrupt, but there's this message, this philosophy and culture right now that calls good evil and evil good. That's just an antichrist spirit that's out there in culture. And we're we're seeing it rear its ugly head in in Rochester and not just Rochester and in, in, in the country. So and all across the world, really. I it's a it's a season. Yeah, it's a season that we have stepped into. So as a pastor, how do you think you can make a difference? What do you do you feel powerless or you feel like you can make a true difference in in your area? I'm sure every pastor thinks about this and I think every pastor 
is overwhelmed if you look at the big picture. But what the Lord gives us the ability to do is to be effective where we're at. And I've always had this philosophy in ministry, one person at a time. We minister to one person at a time. And if, if you can have that perspective, then it's not as over, overwhelming. God puts us in front of people all the time that we can be a witness to, that we can give testimony to, to serve, to help, to care for. So I, I think if the church gets busy just ministering to their neighbor and the people around them, and then be prayerful about the other things that God wants to, to do, partnering with different organizations in the city, whether they're secular or Christian, to, to help bring transformation and culture, to help the poor and the homeless and all of that, praying for our leaders. I mean, we're called to, whether we, we like them or not, whether we voted for them or not, we're, we're called to pray for our leaders. So we pray for them. We let them know that we love them, that we care for them, and that we don't always agree. And we'll tell them that we don't agree with them. But that doesn't, that doesn't keep us from loving them and, and, and praying for them. I really appreciate what you said, you know, about making a difference in one person at a time, because it seems like a lot of times the church is focused on numbers and getting as many people as possible into the church building. But bringing a person into the church building doesn't necessarily change them. But if we focus on the quality (laughs) rather than quantity and making a true difference, impacting a life and changing a life, that's, I think, what the church is called to do. So we touched a little bit on the greater purpose, and then our conversation veered off to other things. So what do you think your greater purpose is, or are you still in pursuit of it? I only know what I know now. (laughs) I mean, and I know that God's going to have me involved in other in other things. I don't know what they I don't know what they are, but He knows that I'm I'm very open. I mean, I I'm I'm someone who loves change, so I think He uses uses that. So I I always feel a little bit unsettled. I get I get bored pretty quickly. So I, I'm well aware of my gifts. So I, I I put people around me that are good with the nuts and bolts kind of thing. I'm a visionary. I'm very, very open to to the new thing that the Lord has for me, but I'm very, very satisfied with my my my, my calling. I'm I'm fulfilled. But um if if the Lord gave me a different completely different direction and even told me to go back in business full time, I would do it. I would do it in a moment because I knew I, I know that the Lord would prosper it. But I love being the pastor at, at Bethel. I love to be involved in in our community. Um, I love to be involved in missions in general. I mean, I feel called to Rochester and called to America, but I've, I've been in the mission field, international mission field, plenty of times, and God has used me there. But I, my primary call is to be a missionary in America. But that doesn't necessarily mean being a pastor of a church. If you live in America, you're called to be a missionary to America. That is very true. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I look forward to uh, being with you at the Greater Purpose Conference in just a few weeks and hearing what uh, the Lord puts on your heart. I have heard you preach, and I know you're a fantastic preacher, so I know that everyone who will be there will be tremendously blessed. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I want this to go on the podcast. Helen, I heard you started playing pickleball, and my (laughs) wife and I... Pickleball. So I'm I'm going to challenge you. Is, does Chuck play with you? 
He does. Not as much as All I right. do. It truly has become a passion for me. <laughs> I will admit that. It's, I really got into it. So. Well, this is a challenge. Chuck, you better step up your game because <laughs> we're coming for you guys. All right. It's <laughs> on. The challenge is on. <laughs> All right. Do you feel a calling to be a missionary to America, as David just referenced? Or maybe you feel called to do missions work overseas. Perhaps you're just wondering how God is going to use you during these uncertain times that we live in. I think we can help you, especially as we're getting ready for the Greater Purpose Conference, which is less than a month away. The conference will focus on opening ourselves up to following God's plans for our lives and also learning what it really means to live out the Great Commission with a heart for the harvest. You can join us in person in Branson, Missouri, or online. Uh, there are more details about the conference on our website, rfwma.org. I want to end by saying thank you again to David Domino for being my guest on the episode today. I appreciate his honesty and humor as he shared how Jesus has transformed his life. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd. Limitless Spirit is produced by World Missions Alliance. If you believe in the importance of the Great Commission, sharing Christ around the world and helping those in need, check out our website, rfwma.org. If you liked what you heard, consider supporting the Limitless Spirit podcast by going to rfwma.org give. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.